Welcome to the Coach's Wife 308. I'm your host, Megan Spargo. Here, we're going to be exploring everything from personal development, health, and wild new ideas from the curious perspective of a small town coach's wife. If you're curious like me, you're in the right place. Let's get on with today's episode. Ashley, welcome to the Coach's Wife podcast. Thanks for coming. I'm very happy to be here. I've been looking forward to this podcast for quite some time. I've been talking about it for several years. Mm -hmm. Like it's been in utero and I'm excited now that it's born and I get to hold the baby. That's right. That's funny because you're always around when like my babies are born. Oh my God. Molly. Yes. I hadn't thought about that. I feel like you're always around when my uh, mental breakdowns occur, my rebirths, and uh, any other psychological warfare that goes on. I feel like you come and bring bring a peace treaty. Aww. Yeah. Well, it's kind of the beauty of, like, having friendships that are, like, long, long, Mm -hmm. you know? We've transcended moves and all the things. Yeah, I don't think people talk about that enough, like the the power of friendship, even when you don't speak for a long time. Connections can, like that are special, but also taken for granted easily, you know? Oh, for sure. I love friendships. I'm grateful for our friendship. You know, if I'm being honest, I'm actually learning how to appreciate female friendships more. Oh, man, they're my favorite. You've had a core for quite a long time, which I've, I'm envious of because it's like you have your core group. Yeah, I um, I didn't realize how weird that was. And so I actually, Alex, I just recorded a podcast with, um, and it was released on Wednesday about wintering and huga. And we've been friends for 30 years. And, you know, with some friendships, you kind of go back and, and you're kind of connected with nostalgia and then with other friendships, you kind of like kind of grow and the, you know, the way that you grow together, just you're just able to maintain it. And so with with you and with Alex and a lot of those friendships, like we've changed so much, became different people, but have like maintained a relationship through that time. And so, yeah, I'm pretty lucky. We, my husband and I were talking about like growing up, we spent like every waking moment we could with our friends. Like if we didn't have school or on the weekends or after school, we we're kind of hanging with our, with our buds and my daughters are friends together. And it wasn't until Clara got older that she really hangs out with her friends and spends like a ton of time together. Do your kids really? do that? My kids have had similar struggles as me where I feel like, and I'm not sure if this is my fault somehow, but we're all just kind of loners. It's yeah. funny because I, I find myself wanting to build female friendships and sustain them and build women up and support women. And I love women. Yet I've had a really difficult time since long time friendships. And I say that, but then you and I have sustained a long friendship. So I'm starting to realize the way I perceive things. I, my mind is starting to change about how I've perceived things. I've always perceived things like I'm like I just had said. I'm a loner and I don't really have any friends. Mm, yeah. I think I subscribe to that, but that's not real. Because if it were real, I wouldn't love women so much. I wouldn't create retreats for them. I wouldn't lean on my friends so hard, you know? And so I try I, I try to encourage my kids that friendships will get better over time when you know yourself better. Right now they're so young. And they've had difficult times with friends. They really have. Like, my kids haven't had, like, a steadfast friend their whole childhood, you know? And they don't spend a lot of time with friends. They spend more time at home, you know, here with us. So we spend a lot of time with the kids, you know? That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's interesting, like, that thing of, like, looking at yourself as a loner. I think a lot of people do that. Do you think that maybe it's, like, a protective mechanism that like if I'm a loner and that way if I'm kind of by myself, it's fine because this is who I am. Yes, because I feel like I almost always <laughs> ruffle some feathers somewhere. 
over the years, people have told me that they love how candid I am or love how authentic I am or love how myself I am, which really just means we love how outspoken you are. And I've always been really proud of that. But as I've gotten older, I realized some of my outspokenness was ignorance and anger and just sheer me wanting to fill the role of being like the quirky, you know, out there, wacky girl who says anything at any time. And, and that's totally changing for me. I feel like this is like a total time of transition for me where um, not only am I grieving a lot of losses that I've had mm-hmm. recently, but I'm grieving past versions of myself. Girl, you're teeing us up. We're going deep today. We're going deep today. And I want to go deep about grief because I feel like it's an emotion people are feeling more than they realize. And it doesn't have to do with death. I mean, it does in a sense, but I just don't feel like people grasp how much you can learn from grief and how important it is to grieve so many different things in our lives, stages, versions of ourselves, people that are no longer in our lives, ideas we once had. Like you can grieve the way you looked at something for the last 37 years of your life. Yeah. Those are really big, big things. So I'm going to dive into your life. You, you're going through a divorce or have you gone through a divorce and you lost your father? Like he passed away not too long ago. So you're kind of in it right now. Um, I went through two things, I think at the same time, two years ago. And so I'm just a little farther down the road. And I heard something like Alex and I talked about it on um, the podcast on wintering when you're in a time of your life that usually happens after a massive transition, especially losses, as you know, this time of of winter. And then today I heard it also. And, you know, and it, it, it doesn't have to be loss. It could just be any type of change that you have in your life. For me, another time in my life where this happened was when I became a mother and it was just such a, such a massive change in my life. And what I heard it called today was a period of being undefined. Ooh, I love that. I love it. Oh man. It made so much sense to me because it's really uncomfortable, but you know, for you, a, a parent and like, you know, stepping, like leaving a marriage, those are, those are two pretty foundational parts of your life that are are no longer. And all of a sudden, like, those are, those are identities of being a daughter and, and being a wife that you had that you no longer do. And typically what we want to do is like, find, go back to who we were, go back to who we were instead of kind of sitting in this period of being undefined and just letting that be what it is and kind of giving ourselves the rest and everything that we need. Because I know for sure that I didn't come out the other side, the same person that I was going in, just like how you're kind of relooking at, you know, things that might not have anything to do with, with this particular life, but like you're looking at female friendships through a different lens. And so you're kind of restacking some pieces up and, you know, this person that you're going to be, I think, over time is, is going to be different. And that's hard. It's You're grieving so much of who you were, thoughts that you had, ways of looking at the world. And that can be a lot. And I think that time of just chilling, I guess, being comfortable with like, who am I right now is kind of massive. Does that resonate? Absolutely. Yeah. It absolutely resonates. But I feel like this is what people need to understand. Here's a perfect example. We just talked about our kids and friendships, relationships. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Van, my 15-year-old son, came downstairs yesterday and said he feels frustrated because he doesn't feel like he's as grateful as he should be for things. And he feels like he's not connecting to himself emotionally and... This isn't the first time he's told me this. And I realized how much I relate to that and how that's something, if we all think about it, we can relate to. We just, no one ever talks about it. That's such a specific part of life for you to mentally understand a situation and 
understand how you should behave in a situation and have your feelings be so far removed from it in reality and have a hard time bringing the two things together. And then feeling this guilt, like, why aren't I emotionally connecting to this moment like I should be? And that's something that is was really brought to a head for me, grieving. Because you feel you understand how you should feel in a moment. You see it from the outside, but your emotions are taking a minute to catch up to what your mind is perceiving. And I've been teaching mind-body connection for 10 years. And I'm just, I'm never not, I'm never not surprised. I'm never surprised. I'm never not surprised. I don't know. I like how you said it. I'm never not surprised. Because like weird things will happen and you're like, "Mm, like probably this is kind of weird, but this kind of checks out. I'm just kind of still in awe that your 15-year-old son was able to articulate. Who are these kids coming in? that have so much awareness and can articulate what used to be so ambiguous. Like, I'm like, I feel bad. And he just like lays it out so clearly. Yep. So yeah. wise. I could, I mean, at 15, you know? I yeah. Mean, Those were not words in my, in my not. sphere that I, I would ever say. <laughs> he's telling dudes my fake, my, Fake boob, waist, and hips. <laughs> MySpace Messenger. Aim. <laughs> yeah. Of 2002, you know? So to hear him come in with that, you know, profound statement, and then I say all these things, right? And in the moment, I'm like, wow, I'm hitting it. Like, I'm f- getting what he's saying. I'm giving him gold. It's flowing. And then at the end of my spiel, which was probably six and a half minutes long, he was like, you're not even listening to me. You didn't even- <laughs> <laughs> Teenagers are awesome. They're so fun. I say exactly my point. Such is life. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you, don't, you don't get it. <laughs> like, I don't. Here I, I am like. I wanted to reverse Reverse it and be like, exactly, Van. The universe. (laughs) And I don't get it, and I don't get you, and you don't get me, and we don't get. (laughs) And with that, we're getting it. You know? (laughs) See, I got you. They just, like, (laughs) shake their head and walk away. Mm -hmm. We try to, like, fake our wisdom through parenting. I felt like I was really killing it, though. I, I mean, what you said I thought was amazing. So if if he didn't hear it and accept it, I accept it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I needed to go somewhere. I needed to go yeah, somewhere. It, it landed. Yeah. It landed here. <laughs> it's a lot of heartache to learn these, to be able to formulate these sentences to someone else. And isn't that the bitch about parenting? It's like you learn all these lessons you experience all this bullshit and then you're just hopeful to have some ears to impart it on. And they're like, I mean, you know, in, as you walked away, I said, you know, at a point you'll think back to this, you'll remember what I said and it'll mean something I hope. Uh, I just thought I should throw that out there in case future, like, in case it like implanted in his brain. Yes. That some future version of himself would open the file. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay, this is it. She said this and it's resonating and it's helping, you know. (laughs) So, yeah, this is a new one. The new hopes and dreams of being parents of teenagers. It's like, look at me for wisdom and hear what I'm saying and let it be like this amazing light bulb. And it's funny because you experience these really difficult things as an adult in front of your children. And it's almost like you have unsatisfied audience members watching you flail while you try to figure your life out and they're just sitting in the audience like wow she's really not getting her shit together and you're like doing <laughs> I'm still, like I'm, my head's above water right <laughs> <laughs> you know and at the end of the day you're just hoping they don't want their money back well you know what we can just share the wisdom with each other what also landed with me was like feeling like you should feel a certain way 
Mm-hmm. I mean, the word should is just kind of an, it's a stupid word, I think, you know. Where does that come from? The feeling of, I should feel this way in this situation. Where does it, I mean, it obviously comes from how we were raised and society and history and, and all the things. But I suppose there's probably some value to it or else, you know, there would be no structure. So the way I kind of look at the world is we, we need some amount of structure so that, mm-hmm. you know, we can live together and, you know, there are some social norms that I think are okay. You know, I feel like anything I say could like be wrong. I mean, I was about to say like walking into the store with your clothes on, but I feel, I feel like that's a nice social norm to have, you know, don't greet somebody with a throat punch. Maybe that's not normal. I don't know. Just, uh, but the bar so low. Don't get a throat punch. Don't, don't the there we yeah. go. See, there there can yeah. be, or, you know, just what to, sometimes it's just nice so that I don't have so many decisions to make. Like my husband wears Hawaiian shirts on Friday sometimes. And to me, like that's norm now. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I don't have to think about it or what to wear to school or to a job site or whatever, you know, there's just things that are okay, but I don't like rigidity. And so I think that's maybe where that shoulds come from. Like you should act like this. And I think for uh, some of us or, you know, even our parents, like you should be great. You know, I don't know. I think it is just societal messages of like, look what you have. And I think it's okay to a point. Like sometimes I think they were just asking us to like, look at life in a bigger picture, almost like, Stop just only concentrating on yourself when it comes to like gratitude. I had dinner every single night growing up. I didn't always like it, but there might be, you know, I might have been offered the perspective of like, hey, there's kids around the world that don't get to eat. Eat your dang Salisbury steak. Yeah, I feel like I've gone. I wonder if other people can relate to. I'm sure they can. I feel like the way I've parented is so different than the way I was parented. And I know a lot of people of our generation are saying the same thing, but like, for example, they really, they really dish it. They've always dished it back to me. Like, you know, they would get a gift, like stuff I would never dream of doing. They'll get a gift and I'll say, aren't you going to say thank you? And they're like, but I don't really like the gift. And I'm like, yeah, but they thought of you and gave you the gift. And they're like, yeah, but I didn't ask them to do that. And I'm like, right. And then, it, like, and then you're like, like wait, are you right? What, what should we do here? Right. Because they're like, well, I didn't ask them to give me a gift. And I don't really like it. And I don't really want to be in genuine or lie. So I'm like, well, all right. Yeah. Huh. That's some perspective. And yeah, I mean, have to digest that for a little bit. Yeah, and I feel like my kids have always done that. I feel like they've always given me some kind of something where I'm just like, "Huh, right, interesting," you know, like to the point where I even question the same things, you know, because sometimes people give you gifts, and it's not really for you; it's for them. They give you the gift for themselves just for the satisfaction of having given you a gift, you know? Yeah. Sometimes I think we can be overly grateful and like it's ingenuine, you know? And it's yeah, maybe just the whole beauty of being grateful for something on the, you know, on that same line of Van saying he didn't feel grateful, but knew he should quote unquote, you know? Yeah. Maybe like, a selfish approach that I take is like, it just feels good to be grateful, but then just, you know, think about the things you truly are grateful for if you want. Or maybe we think we need to be like some level of grateful. Like (laughs) you can just be like, wow, that was really nice. And that's, you're grateful. It doesn't have to be like, wow, I can't believe they took the time to do this for me. I feel like there are varying degrees of gratefulness. Uh, just like anything else, but I've noticed this theme of toxic positivity and toxic gratitude. I don't know if you can relate to this, but I do think it's a thing where people don't 
value the darkness and lightness of life, the ups and downs, the yin and yang, the, you know, struggle versus the high vibe. I mean, yeah, I talk about this all the time. And I mean, just even in the last podcast I recorded, I talk about like life being 50, 50, like 50 awesome, 50 suck. And that's like how it's supposed to be. That's how, you know, you really don't have like the happy without like knowing what it feels like to be in pain sometimes. And looking at that pain as like, I don't think you have to look at it with gratitude or, you know, think that you like, thanks pain, but looking at it with the lens of like, okay, this is here for a couple reasons. One, to you know what it feels like to not be in pain, like feel good. But also, I mean, I really feel like that pain is where we're kind of forged. It's where we're forced to grow and, and take just a better look at ourselves. And so I went on like a road trip with a friend today and I just talked like all of the thoughts that have been stuck in my head for like months and months that I have with some imaginary person. I don't know if you do this or anybody does, but like I like have a thought and it like builds and I like digest it through. I like finally got to actually say the words out loud. So I've been, I've been talking and talking and I mean, I think I, I could just go so many different directions But what I'll stick with is, you know, feeling discomfort when somebody does something that you don't like or you don't appreciate or approve of or anything like that is always this opportunity for you to look inside and be like, okay, what's this charged feeling here? What is this? Where is it coming from? And then kind of like explore that a little bit. And then, you know, what do you need to do in the moment to, to, I think just always looking at it on how can I use this to elevate myself to the next level? And usually that's from doing hard things, which are not fun, which really actually suck. And we spend so much of our time trying to avoid those things or, you know, I mean, get people out of office or get people fired from jobs or whatever when... I'm kind of starting to look at these people, especially in my kids' life, as like, okay, they are all offering opportunities for me and my kids to like grow and learn how to navigate the situation. So all of us kind of going in like, why is this person pissing me off? Why are they making my kids angry? And explore those feelings a little bit and find out like, what is that feeling or that belief that is causing this quote unquote trigger? And then what do we have to do to be better? Because I think about like grit and resilience, and that's usually going to be like the biggest decider of your of somebody's success is how resilient they've been or how they've been able to overcome things in their life. And here's the thing. I hate seeing my kids in discomfort. I yeah. wish I was better. I do not do a lot of things to like make their life not fun. So thankfully, there's like other people <laughs> that that do. Right. It's inevitable, you know, right? Because it's just part of life where they're not going to go away. And if they go away, somebody else is going to pop up in their place. And so instead of like hiding from them or avoiding them, let's just, let's face it. Let's just go forward. And that's hard. Like, as I say it, I act like, Hey, just, just keep going. And sometimes there needs to be some sort of confrontation. I think for you to get into that higher way of, of being, Um, another example would be like, I, I do like sales stuff for my job that pays and I'll come across 90% of the clients, whether or not they buy from me. I like, love them. I love them. They're awesome. I like to talk to them, but I've come across somebody who's really mean. They're just flat out, have a temper. They're mean. They're very hard to be around. And at one point, like after a phone call with this particular person, I'm like, in years, years past, I think I would try to placate them like, oh, I'm so sorry, dad, you know, this and that. And now like, I kind of like had that nudge in my heart that was like, do you have it in you to approach them and say like, there is no reason for you to talk to me this way. Cause I feel like I'm going into a point where I have enough self-respect or more self-respect than to be treated like that for no reason without somebody knowing how I feel like before you keep going, understand who you're talking to. And Usually, like, I don't, I don't think that we always need to have that confrontation. 
But I think sometimes we do to like, and that saying those words is probably one of the hardest things for me to say. And I don't know if it's like um, being a woman or, you know, any part of that, but those words that aren't even really like jarring or bad, even though I'm kind of taking, I'm on the other end of somebody's temper for no reason um, for me to say those words and call somebody out is very, very hard. It's also funny how we say for no reason. It's yeah. like someone treated this way, treated us X because for no reason. But yeah. when you think about it, there's never a reason for someone to be just outwardly disrespectful to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's something else we have to understand is like someone else's behavior is not our responsibility, right. you know, reason or not. Even yeah. if someone was angry for something we did, mm-hmm. their behavior is a reflection of whatever, however they're coping with right. what we said or did. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's another thing like that we just, I've just noticed and I feel excited to say in a podcast that there is a lot of toxic forgiveness, positivity, and uh, what was the other one? I said it earlier. Gratitude. But I'm having a break. Yes. Where it's like these people are shoveling these things down their throats, like choking on it without actually dealing with the emotion behind anything. Yeah. The harder and, emotions to feel like, I mean, anger, yeah. embarrassment, or humiliation. Yeah, because like when you're grieving, you're angry, mm-hmm. you're sad, you're a lot of different things, you know, and everyone says over time there'll be forgiveness, you know, in your bad marriage and you'll start to resolve guilt, you know, just let that go and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But, but the missing link and, and you'll read it if you get to the later chapters of any of the books that help you with letting go or addressing your feelings is exactly that. You're not actually like addressing the feelings. There's no way, there's no way to the other side, but through. Exactly. I mean, that's the truest thing ever when it comes to any emotion. And so I noticed even today when I got on Instagram, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling, and it's just so much of that, so much of that. And it's almost like becoming another coping mechanism. Yeah, I would agree. And it's it's upsetting because at their roots, they're very healthy ideals ideals about how to move through difficult times of life and we're missing the work. Instead, people are just like, I'm going to journal or I'm going to mantra, you know, that I'm moving on and I'm letting go, but without actually facing those feelings. And I've been someone who's experienced mm-hmm. that. I got away from doing a lot of mind-body work, which is hilarious because that's all I do is teach mind-body work. And I, isn't that so the, so, so the way, though? You know, I have friends that are psychologists, and they need more psychology support than anybody I know, you know? <laughs> and so we're just pouring from this cup that's empty all the time based on things we've learned, but, like, the personal experience is lacking. And so if there's anything I've learned about that, it's it's recently I've been doing, you know, uh, Reiki and sound, ba- sound baths and, you know, things that really deal with your frequencies and your energies and everything. And so it's been a real interesting experience for me yeah. because I will think that I'm more grounded in where I'm at and then I'll have a panic attack in the middle of one of these sessions. I think that Um, happens a lot. A a lot of emotion is able to kind of come through, come become free. And I think when we're talking about like, then they call it a toxic positivity or gratitude, or it's kind of like a bypassing, I think of some sort Um, because the truth is these feelings don't leave if you're not like feeling your anger and like allowing it to process through, it stays in you and it comes out, you know, like when I talk about that for no reason or, you know, like as yeah, I, I, I've been 
that person that's like leaked out my anger that I've like held from one thing and just try to be like, no, it's fine. We're good. We're happy. We're good. We're fine. And then, you know, my kid will do something slightly annoying and I'll lose my shit. It's just, it's, it's leaking out somewhere. Or I do think it lives in your body. I think, you know, that's kind of what causes disease, but you know, it, it just becomes so hard to live with that. We, I think we start to buffer it with, you know, TV or food or drink or what have you. It's still there. And the only way to the other side is through. And sometimes like they are big emotions, especially, you know, those capital T traumas where I do think, you know, it's really important to work with a practitioner at that point who can hold that space for you. So, you know, I'm no expert. This is kind of just friends talking about, you know, our own experiences, but and and things that we're seeing. But I, I really think that there's no way to, you know, experience anger and then just let it go away. Just sit with it. And it is very, it is uncomfortable. But once you're, I mean, I, I find this to be the ultimate freedom is once you're able to sit with any emotion, what can really stop you? Right. All we're afraid of is feeling emotions. Right. I mean, it's, it's exactly, that's so true. And it, and it's like anticipating a shot, you know, you know, it's going to hurt and it's going to sting for a minute, mm-hmm. but then you felt it and you've had that experience and you can move on. I feel like it's very similar to that, you know, and, and to add to my story, I experienced these little moments of panic, right? Mm-hmm. And I've had panic attacks since I was a kid anyway, so I'm very familiar with panic, but I was talking to a friend of mine the other day who said, you know, you know, how's grieving going? And I think I said something like, and this wasn't that long ago, I think I said something like, well, I don't really feel like I've been grieving. I think I need to schedule time to grieve. I think I need to set time aside to be sad and grieve so I can just really like address those feelings um, Mm -hmm. because I don't think I'm really addressing them. And then as I was talking about it and as I was work, you know, I was basically working through it while explaining to her that in that moment of explaining, I had the aha that like, I'm in no way not feeling these feelings you know, <laughs> like all the time. And it's funny that I thought I needed to set aside time to feel them when really they're coming in and out of my day all the time. I'm coming in and out of my thoughts. I feel melancholy for a period of time during the day, but then I, I have the ups and downs. And so it's funny because I said in the same conversation, I didn't feel like I was grieving because I wasn't setting aside this time. But in actuality, you can't hide from grief. It's just happening whether you like it or not. You know, so you might as well buckle in for the ride and take from it what you can, you know? That's, yeah, definitely. Um, there is a yeah, a couple things there. I do think there's something to having some intentional time towards it because yeah. you're always going to feel it. But man, there's sometimes where I'm like, okay, I'm going to like explore this. And I do that a lot through journaling and, and then I can kind of like get into it. And, and actually I think a lot of like release happens through journaling. And for me, like I talk a lot about like how I really like rituals more than like I can talk, I can think I'm in my head all the time. But, you know, if I'm really, really upset with somebody, like I've written F you letter where I just like F you for like, and I'll just, I'll go off for 10 minutes. And it honestly leaves my body onto the paper. And then I can like, I burn the paper. So there is a lot of me actually participating in whatever I'm doing. And then like, what, like, here's the ashes, here they go. I can move on from it a little bit. It definitely creates some space for other things. And I think um, like with mindfulness and as you learn some ways to release or process other emotions, it creates a, a, a greater capacity that you have. So during kind of my time, of, I don't know, just my harder times in life. It was interesting because I could feel both grief and love and enjoy 
at the same time, like I could carry all of those emotions. And I don't think that's something that I would always have been able to do. And so, and then I would create some intentional time where like, especially if I like, I felt like I was losing some sort of connection with my mom. Like I would pull up pictures or videos, or I have a voice message that I listen to. I know it's going to make me kind of like miss her and, and cause some grief, but sometimes it's okay. And I'll, you know, I'll kind of dive into there a little bit more. The other thing I kind of wanted to go into was like suffering. And this is something I also talk about a lot. And this concept was kind of a game changer for me and that there's pain and there's suffering and they're not the same thing. And so in life, pain is absolutely inevitable, but suffering isn't completely necessary. And so with pain, you know, that's going to happen with life where it be, it's pain plus resistance equals suffering. And so that's what we do. We like in our brain does that, like in our like primitive brain, we're programmed just how we're made. Nobody did this to us. This is just how we're made. We're programmed to seek pleasure and to avoid pain and Mm -hmm. work as efficiently as possible. So as we have like painful emotions come up, we want them to go away. And so that's when we'll do stuff like buffer with all of those things I said before, TV, drinking, drugs, porn, what, what have you, or even like that resist, like, I don't want to feel this. I'm going to do something else. So we start like layering buffering on top of that. And then we judge ourselves for, for doing these things that we know that aren't good for ourselves. And it just like layers all of this stuff just on top of the pain. And if all we had was just the pain, we could process that through quite a bit. Yeah, I think I'm I'm missing that. I don't judge myself at all for drinking this beer. See, all is good. You're not feeling any pain though. (laughs) It might not be for that. Maybe your beer is just because you like it and not because you're trying to buffer. I'm not sure. I used to, I used to drink to feel less pain, but now I feel like I drink because I like different flavors of beers and I'm not sure they could, they, it, the lines are blurry. Let's just say that. I mean, as much as I learn about myself and help people, I'm the most human human I know in terms yeah. of love dopamine hits and uh, for sure. enjoying my afternoon, you know, five o'clock beer or wine or whiskey. And again, it's like, I feel like this is the theme of this podcast is just like, the extremes of being a good girl or a good boy and, you know, having gratitude and thanks and being healthy and whatever. And I feel like it's such a, it's such a, it's such a weird side of the coin because it's like you have all this darkness and negativity. And then on the other side, it's like, I feel like I'm choking to to death on positive Instagram posts. Mm. You know what I mean? And finding that happy medium between mm. like, I'm a human being. Right. I'm going to succumb to to temptation from time to time. Some of it might be even a little bit toxic, but also I reflect on myself and my life and what I'm learning and where I'm going and who I am, you know? And so there's not always just a wrong and a right way to deal with things. And there's just very little wiggle room anymore. And I feel like Social media, maybe. I don't want to be another person to blame social media for things, but I'm not sure what it is. Or maybe it's always been this way and I've just never noticed. I think about that all the time. I think about, like, if I were me and this were 1967, what would my perspective be? Did, I wonder if other people think that way. I, I think about that, like, every day. That's if I were in this time... How would I perceive the world and the troubles I'm going through? I'd probably die of a fucking drug addiction if this were, you know, 1968, honestly. With the music and the drugs and the liquor on top of the headiness of my life and all of the reflection I do, I could see that. But luckily, it's, you know, 2024, which feels really weird to say, by the way. It's totally weird to say. Well, I think that's it's uh, it's cool that you embrace your humanness because I think like that's what we're here. My like worldview is we're these like wacky spiritual beings who are like, do you want to try Earth? 
You want to like go check it out? You want to do it? Right. Right. Because it's hard. It's hard. You know, I think this is where we experience the contrast and the pain. Like we came down here so that we could do that. And so we're doing it. And then I don't know, maybe, maybe we're finding some cheat codes with this mindfulness stuff. <laughs> it's not always pretty. It's, it's not, not always pretty. pretty. I feel like um, when somebody like comes into personal development, there's like some stages to it. And I, I think like seriously, personal development has like made my life so much better. It's been like, it's made my relationship, my friendships, everything like has been elevated because of it. And at first, like there's so much hope of like, oh, shoot, there's like this whole new cool way of being. And then you kind of start this like process of self-discovery. You like go into like your subconscious and like, why do I think this way? What's happening? It's It's hard. But I, I do think, and I don't, I don't think it's pop, you know, toxic positivity to embrace or look at the shit part of your life and be like, yeah, it was just part of it. I think it's expecting that your life should be good 100% of the time is what, what can be bad. And so. No, you explained what people should do to heal. Toxic positivity is when you're not looking at any of that and you're just saying, everything's okay now. I'm going to be in the present and you don't deal with any of your traumas or effects of things that have been ailing you for years, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that's the difference. And that's one of the things I like about teaching yoga. It's one of the things I actually learned from yoga when I started yoga 15 years ago was that you put yourself in uncomfortable positions and situations and you work your way to a more comfortable position. So it's Almost like you get comfortable being uncomfortable and you find awareness in that and you find ways to come out of it, make space, breathe. I mean, that directly relates to the discomforts of life. That was one of the first lessons I learned from yoga. The second one was that while you're seeking to be more graceful in something or move through something more gracefully, it's okay to fall down. It's okay for things to be ugly. It's okay for it not to, you know, work out. It's even it's okay to laugh. It's okay for it to be funny. It's okay, you know. I feel like I'm always holding yeah. into and then I'm doing yoga. It's just it's you know, to be cliche about it, it's the journey. And people yeah. say that and mm-hmm. I used to and I used to and still kind of roll my eyes when people say cliche things like that. And that's another thing I'm looking into is like, why do these things bug me so much? Like when people say things like it's the journey, I know it's the journey. I've experienced the journey. I'm in the journey. I'm helping people on their journey. But for some reason, the sentence almost seems to take away from the meaning of it. I Does that make sense? Yeah, I think I, I, don't, I don't know if it like has to do with like you kind of feeling like it's toxic positivity when people are like it's the journey. Maybe. I get it. Uh, And the journey sucks sometimes. The journey sometimes it's kind of a it's kind of a crapper. And this is why I have a hard time posting on social media because I feel I'll find myself feeling inspired and then I'll say something like, We embrace the journey. And then I see myself saying something like embrace the journey and I'm like, Yeah, but the journey kinda is shit and like sometimes it sucks. But like you get back in the journey and like the journey is beautiful. And then I'm like, Oh my God, this makes no sense. And if anyone reads this, <laughs> see that I'm in a constant spiral of figuring life out. And then I'm like, yeah, that's good. Because then they'll see that if I, if I'm in a constant spiral of confusion of what life is and what it's about and the highs and lows and jo- enjoyment and sadness, then, then that makes it, you know, relatable uh, somehow. No, I'm going to like um, wrap this up with the wise words from Jenny Bonta and also Drew Carey. And when it comes to life and the journey, the rules wait are made up and the points don't matter. <laughs> like here we are in this journey and it doesn't matter. <laughs> the rules are made up. And the- Did you say Drew Carey? Yes. <laughs> The Drew Carey show. Did you ever watch? Drew Carey, I love you. See, look at that. If you need, can we put it in a on a flash drive and mail it to his house? I wonder what he's up to. 
Um, I don't know. Maybe we can like find his Instagram or whatever and like <laughs> tag him. The rules yeah. are made up and the points don't matter. So I guess mm-hmm. the next time Van comes to you with some profound thing to say, you should just tell him the rules are made mm-hmm. up and the points don't matter. <laughs> now that might be the only life advice anyone needs. You should name the title of this podcast. I already have one that's that. called the rules are made up and the points don't matter. <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> How did I miss that one? Jenny Bonta. Check that one out. All right. I will do. Oh, well, anything else? So, okay. We got to we gotta brag on you a little bit. What you doing with your life? <laughs> <laughs> now that everyone knows that I'm a train wreck. <laughs> She's not a train wreck. She's the most human of humans. <laughs> a graceful, a nice train wreck. I mean, a little bumpy, a little turbulent, but like I have everyone's a okay. In my everyone's fine, and everyone's buckled in, and no one's getting too hurt. Just a little like, ooh, we're in a train wreck. <laughs> That's a train wreck. Um, but no, I'm I'm teaching again, which is been really fulfilling because I took a two-year break. I took a sabbatical. Love that word. I used to be like, ooh, sabbatical. No, it's not that great. But I took a break. And um, now that I'm back to teaching again, uh, I have just so many ideas based on experiences I've had about how I can bring this realness with the teaching education I've had and create um, more retreats. You know, I'm really feeling like there needs to be space for people, not just in an hour-long class, but in a day or a weekend or maybe three days where we can kind of unpack these things in a relatable way and have tools moving forward and connections moving forward after the retreat where we feel kind of held up during these times. And, you know, I felt that and I want to, I want to bring that to someone else's life. So I'm working on that and I want to offer unique focused retreats. Like I have experienced being a single mom and that's been quite an interesting experience unparalleled. And I feel like a lot of other single moms would enjoy being in a space where they can speak on, yeah, about their experiences and the things they're working on and what they wish to accomplish. You know, there's so many things in life that can be very isolating. And I really want to take some of those that I've experienced feeling isolated in and and bring like a group community around. Mm. So I'm working on that. And teaching classes, which has been really rewarding, and helping small businesses in the community, which I love to do. So, yeah. I, Are you working with I, um, any patients one-on-one or clients? I work on – I have clients one-on-one that I work with. I only accept five at a time. So, you know, there's a wait list there. Um And usually clients are with me for anywhere from three months to a year, but then they're in a totally different space. And I love that. I love being that part of their journey. I never want to be somebody's, I don't ever want to be teaching someone forever. I want to give them the tools they need and help them find these things within themselves. And then they feel empowered to move forward to other things want to do themselves so I love being that part of their journey Ugh, I hate the word journey I'm gonna quit using it I'm gonna find something better there's a better word out there yeah I remember like during one of our conversations on the phone it's been a while but you have worked and do you still work with people that have some mobility issues I feel like you've really brought um, a better quality of life to a lot of people as well. Yeah. I can always tell when you're teaching, um, when you fall back into yoga and like, oh, you're back, you're doing your what you're supposed to do. Yeah, it's a good mesh of corrective exercise, functional exercise, and mm-hmm. yoga kind of mishmash together. It's different movement modalities. 
based on what the person needs individually and their goals, but everybody has a different struggle with mobility or a chronic illness, chronic pain, maybe they don't even know what the root cause is, depression, anxiety, um, things like that. So working through movement to find ways to cope with those things, whether it be like arthritis, you know, fibromyalgia, cancer recovery, old injuries, and then old traumas, you know, that are causing pain, things like, like that. Like even like internal trauma, like just kind of feelings and, and some things that people yeah. have. Yeah, people have chronic pain and it's like they don't know where where it's coming from. And that could be a whole other rabbit hole. That could be like right. a whole other podcast. Yeah. We'll have to do how, it. How our manifest in our bodies is a whole awful thing. Such yeah. good information. I feel like we covered so much per we did. always. Do you have a place where people can find you? Yes. My website is modifiedmovement.studio. And I will be having um, small series and evergreen courses for people that have yeah. chronic joint this year, which is really exciting. Um, so people specifically like people with arthritis and fibromyalgia. Um, I'll have courses for that coming out this year and workshops and retreats, not just where I live either. Guys, the limit, you know, well, that'll be really fun. Well, thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate you. It's always good to visit with you. Great. I love how we get deep Uh, and we waste time. (laughs) We go there. All right, my friends, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.